BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Every single time I sit down to record a new episode, I have the overwhelming urge to open it with the Welcome to Illyria song from She's the Man that the principal sings to her, you know? I I can't explain it, but every time I say, welcome back to the bad broadcast, I just want to sing, I just want to sing this. I'm going to play it for you guys in case anybody forgot. Welcome to Illyria. Welcome, 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 welcome to Illyria. I always want to sing that. One day I'm going to, but I feel like it's a really aggressive way to start out an episode. So anyway, welcome back to the Bad Broadcast. My name is Maddie. I'm your host. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that I'm here talking to all you lovely ladies and like the nine men who also listen to this podcast. I'm really happy that you're here too. Okay, uh, let's talk about some boring stuff before we talk about some fun stuff. Uh, Just want to answer a couple questions. One, there are still tickets available to my live podcast, my first ever live podcast in New York City. It's at the City Winery on May 17th. Just want to make sure I said that the, the right date. On May 17th, the link is in my bio. We will also link it in the show notes. And yeah, let's uh let's just sell it out. Let's just do a casual, casual sellout. And another thing about the show notes, I get a lot of messages that are like, hey, what was your discount code for that ad you did last week or something like that? Those are also always in the show notes. I know a lot of people don't read show descriptions. I rarely read them on other people's podcasts. So I totally understand. So if you are looking for an ad or looking for a discount code from a podcast ad, it will always be it will always be there. So you'll never lose them. I think those were the only things I needed to uh, talk to you guys about. Let me get a little hydration going. All right. How's everybody doing? How's your week going? I had a life lesson breakthrough this week and I just want to share it. This really has nothing to do with the podcast and it's kind of a long story, but stick with me because I think it's a good, I think it's a good moral. So I was getting my nails done a couple of days ago and the place I get my nails done is right next to a spa where I used to work. I worked at the front desk for like six months, eight months. And I was like, oh, I'm going to just pop in and say hi to some of my old coworkers because I knew a couple of them were still there. So I walked in, sat down with them and we were just all chatting. And I was talking about how I didn't have a great experience at this job. I didn't really like it. There was a lot of drama with people. People were getting fired. There was just like a lot of emotion. It was like this dark cloud of emotion. People were crying. Like it seemed like nobody was happy at 
work. And so I was talking to one of my my coworkers from then and I was like, why, why do you still work here? You know, when I was here three years ago, we were all like hating it. We were all like, yeah, we're all going to quit together. Like, you know, when you kind of have that, that unity in a workplace, like everybody hates it. So I was like, what, what happened? And she just started talking about how that time period of people hating their job at this place. Anyway, I just don't want to like name it obviously, but she was just talking about how everybody had a bad attitude. Nobody was doing anything that could you know, bring anything positive to work. People were just showing up, having a terrible attitude, um, like talking shit on each other, starting drama, yelling at each other, being catty, all, all of these different things. And she said that now she really loves her job and things have totally changed. And there's new people that work there. They have a new uh, like manager. All these things have changed and she really likes it. And I got in my car after and I was just thinking about the concept of maybe I was the problem. I'm not saying that I was the full problem at this job. I'm not saying that I single-handedly like ruined everybody's life at, at this job, but was I doing literally anything to help? No. Was I purposely doing things that probably made people's experience worse? Mm, probably. Yeah. Was I showing up with a bad attitude? Not like a fun, bad attitude, you know, like here we do like fun, bad attitudes, but you know, like the actual bad attitude people who are like really not fun to be around. Was I showing up as a, uh, one of them? Yeah, mm -hmm. I definitely was. Was I trying to get people to quit? Yep. Yep. I was, I was doing all of that. And I realized how much I was contributing to the problem. And I started to think about this just in regards to life, life, you know, life and love and relationships and all these things. And I feel like when we talk about mental health, we talk a lot about how to identify toxic people and like how to cut toxic people out, how to end friendships with people that are toxic, how to, you know, all the, all these things We're we're all about like identifying how somebody else makes us feel, which is great. It's a, it's a good thing that we do. We shouldn't be spending time with people who make us feel bad or make us sad or anything like that. Um, but I've just looking back on my life and hopefully this is something that sticks with me. Sometimes you're the problem. And it's fine. It's fine. Everybody has times in their life where they're the problem. But like, if you find yourself consistently identifying toxic people and saying that they are always the problem and this continues to happen, this is how I felt when I was at this job. Bad things kept happening. And I kept saying, oh, she's doing this and she's doing this. And I hate my job because of this and this happened and all that. There could be a common denominator and it could be me. And I think that we just think too often about how other people affect our mental health and not enough about how we affect other people's mental health. I would just rather, and I wasn't always like this, and this is a, it's a really hard lesson, like one of the most painful of life. Um, when you realize that you could be causing the problem and that you have to like do some work and look inside and figure out why you are causing these things and why you're doing these things and apologize and make make amends for them. You know, I would I would rather somebody I would rather be the type of person who can handle that feedback. I would rather be the type of person that my friends or, you know, Matt, my mom, people feel comfortable coming to me saying, "Hey, I feel like you did this and you made me feel this way and and this went on." I would rather be the type of person who can say, "Oh my gosh, you know what? I think I was wrong. 
I think I was wrong here. And um, I'm going to do better and I'm going to fix this and I'm going to figure out why I did it in the first place and like really deal with your shit. Dealing with your shit does not mean cutting out everybody who has ever wronged you. Dealing with your shit means finding out where you have wronged people and and why you did it in the first place and how you can move forward not acting like a total dick. (laughs) You know, I don't know why I just I, I see this so often. People just like I had to cut out all these toxic friends. I had to cut out eight toxic friends this year. It's like you could have been the one that was the problem. You know, there's a there's a chance. I'm not saying it's always your fault, but I'm saying it's just it's good to be honest with yourself and the people that you're in relationships with uh, when you do things wrong. I think that that's that's a very admirable quality. That that was kind of my life lesson this week. And uh, I continue to learn that over and over again, that sometimes you're just wrong and it's fine and you can figure out a way to make it right. And you're going to be a lot happier and the people in your life are going to be a lot happier if you're willing to look at the things that you did. You know what I mean? There's just my my breakthrough that I had this week. I wanted to share it. Another thing that I wanted to share, this one's a little lighter. We're going to get weird now. Um, I decided this year I would begin my journey to becoming a MILF. And some of you might think that the first step to becoming a MILF would be to get pregnant and have a child. Wrong. Being a MILF is an attitude. Being a MILF is an essence. MILF qualities include things like square tip nails, getting your hair blown out regularly, workout clothes, but no strenuous workouts, um, big sunglasses, spending lots of money, hooking up with high schoolers. Uh, just kidding on that last one. Unless you happen to be in high school while you're listening to this, then maybe only hook up with fellow high schoolers. Anyway, we did hot girl summer, sad girl fall. I just think it's time for MILF season. You know, I couldn't think of something more clever than MILF season. I was like trying to think of a pun, trying to think of like a, like MILF months. I don't know. I, I, MILF season seemed the most realistic. And that, my angels, is why this week is dedicated to all you wonderful, perfect MILFs out there. This episode is about parenting. It's about moms. Don't worry. It's not, it's not like about parenting, like parenting advice. (laughs) Uh, But this episode is all about moms. Maybe something later this week will also be about moms. I don't know. I don't know. We're just gonna have to wait and see. We're just gonna wait and see if that happens. But today is about the worst parenting moments. And I was talking to my mom about these and she called them mother of the year moments. We're just like, great mother of the year over here. Her example that she gave me of hers that I think is perfect for the type of moments that we're talking about. My mom said that the very first time she let her first baby, which is my oldest brother, Chad, otherwise known as Lord birthday. The first time she let him cry it out, she was dying. Like she was dying inside. She hated it. She, he was crying in the other room, but she did not want to go in and get him. Cause she was, I don't know. Is that sleep training? I don't know what that means, but, uh, she just wanted to get him to try and calm down himself. But then finally he wasn't stopping. So she walked in and he had thrown up everywhere. <laughs> he had been like laying in it and screaming and crying and rolling around in it for, I don't know how long, but a long time. And if I know anything about these moments, these, you know, bad parenting moments, mother of the year moments, it's that every single parent has them, every single one. And as somebody who is merely an observer of mothers, every now and then I get like a mom, like either one of my friends or something to like, tell me something like this. They'll be like, yeah, I did. You know, my kid drank three quarts of coffee before I even noticed something like that. And I just want to be like, why don't you tell people that? It's funny. It's funny. The kids are fine. Like they're fine. They're loved. They're happy. They're fed. Everything's fine. Like I have... I have these moments if I spend more than like 25 minutes with a baby. Keeping kids alive and happy is like 
extremely hard. So it should go without saying that these moments are very common. And even though that we're calling them bad parenting moments, I hope it's obvious that you are not actually a bad parent. You know, there's just, there's no relief quite like having someone say the words, same here. Those, oh, the comfort those words bring. Remember like when you're in high school and you take an extremely hard test and then you would walk out of class and you turn to your friend and you'd be like, I didn't know anything on that test. And they look at you and they're like, yeah, I guessed on every single one. Like the relief that washes over you when you know that you're not alone in something like that. It's something that I love about about this podcast and that I always want people to feel when they're here. That's that's why I like things like the Dum Dum Club, you know, because you say something that you think you're alone and you think you did this stupid, annoying, bad, whatever thing. And then you say it out loud and people around you are like, yeah, me too. Me too. We all do that. So I wanted to share all of these moments because again, I am in awe of mothers. I love all my milfy, milfy listeners. And I want you guys to feel less alone. So let's hear about your worst mom moments. I'm assuming most of these are moms. I said parent earlier, but I know what's going on here. I know what's going on here. I got 98% female listeners. So I'm going to say that this is mostly mom moments. I also want to say the majority of bad mom moments really happen because kids are not very smart. I mean, they're wonderful. They're wonderful and they're acting appropriately for their age, but we don't have to act like kids are like smart, you know, like they don't always know what's going on. So go easier on yourself. You're not dumb. Your kids are dumb. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But let's uh let's begin with our first bad mom moment. I'm so excited about this topic. I don't know why. I got I got really excited about it because I feel like this is a really vulnerable thing to share, like for parents to really confess their worst parenting moment. So I respect everybody who submitted an answer. And I should have said this at the beginning. This is another another item of business. If you submit something and then you don't want it in the podcast, like when you submit something to the Google Doc for the weekly question, like hopefully you know that there's a chance it will be played on the podcast or read on the podcast. If you submit one and then you're like, uh, I actually don't want to don't want to do that. You got to email me because sometimes you send another submission and then it's like, actually, don't read my story. And I'm like, I have no clue what story this. <laughs> so you got to email me some details about it so I can take it out if it was chosen. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Reality with the King. We've been watching reality TV for years. Years and years and years. If you're anything like me, you probably grew up on it. And I have always wondered what goes on behind the scenes. And now I know after listening to this amazing new podcast called Reality with the King. It's hosted by sought after executive producer and king of reality television, Carlos King. Reality with the King goes behind the scenes of some of your favorite reality shows, most iconic moments. Carlos has worked on all of the best reality shows from The Bachelor to Real Housewives, and he is here to rehash all the behind the scenes drama. In each episode, Carlos and his guests rehash shocking betrayals, hilarious interactions, and dramatic scenes from the Real Housewives franchise, Love and Marriage Huntsville, The Bachelor, and much more. If you like reality TV, you are going to love this drama. Upcoming guests include people like Rachel Lindsay, Matt James, Andy Cohen, Nene Leakes, Lisa Rinna, who is one of my personal all-time favorite housewives, don't at me. 
Do you want to know about ANTM? You want to know about Real Housewives of Atlanta? They are getting all the behind the scenes info straight from the stars themselves. If you are a student of reality TV and you're looking for a proper education, you are going to want to check out this podcast. So listen to Carlos spill the tea on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, the SXM app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by Starface. You know those cute star-shaped pimple patches that you see on like Hailey Bieber and every other cool Instagram girl? That's Starface. And those are their Hydro Stars, which are a 100% hydrocolloid pimple patch that helps reduce inflammation, absorb fluid, and shrink spots overnight. Man, am I glad to live in a world with pimple patches. I love that Starface has a full range of Hydrostar pimple patches for whatever mood I'm in, including their newest variation, Hydrostar plus salicylic acid, which helps treat deeper pimples and acne. I love my salicylic acid. Pimple patches aside, Starface also has formulated an approachable line of skincare essentials, so you can really build out a full routine. Everything is dermatologist tested, vegan, and cruelty-free, and designed to make you feel cute. Some of my favorites are the Space Wash, which is a gentle, lightly foaming cleanser that washes away makeup and dirt and oil. I love the Outer Space, which is a daily body wash for acne-prone skin. I love using it on my back. And I love their Moisture on Mars, which is a super hydrating cream. You can shop the entire Starface collection at starface.world. And for a limited time, Starface is offering all Bad Broadcast listeners 15% off of your first order at checkout with the code BAD. 15. Again, that's bad one five for 15% off of your first order at starface.world. This episode of the bad broadcast is sponsored by way. Listen, should I just start my dissertation now? Because that's how long I could talk about how much I love way products. They have been at the very top of my list for years since way before I even had a podcast I've been using and loving way. And I think probably it's hard to pick a holy grail from them, but if I were to pick one of them, it would be the leave-in conditioner. This multitasking powerhouse does it all. It hydrates, detangles, it fights frizz, and it acts as a heat protectant. Trust me, your hair will thank you. I also personally love the scalp and body scrub. I love the detox shampoo, and I love the perfumes. I use the North Bondi. It's one of my favorite scents ever with all of their hair products, but especially that leave-in conditioner, you will say goodbye to frizz, tangles, flyaways, and breakage. Also, it's scented with the North Bondi, my favorite. It's also color safe and cruelty-free. Also, you just, you need a leave-in conditioner in your life, and Way has you covered with truly truly the best of the best. So discover a new way of life with the leave-in conditioner from Way. Go to T H E O-U-A-I.com and use the code BAD to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code BAD. Without any further ado, let's get into the worst mom moments. First up, she says, When my oldest was nine months old, I took him to the state fair with one of my friends. It was hot and windy, so I put him in his stroller, unbuckled, and away we went into the cow barn to get out of the heat. You know the flooring in those barns are nasty. They're covered in straw 
cow poop, etc. A few feet in, I was stuck on something and the wheels of the stroller wouldn't budge. I kept pushing though, like ramming to get over what was in front of the stroller. Girl, you better believe it was my child. He had slid out of the stroller. Remember, I didn't buckle him in and I was ramming into him as he was on the nasty barn floor. My friend helped me scoop him up as fast as we could and raced out of that barn with child with the child and strollers in hand. So embarrassing. 12 years later, we bring it up often and laugh. I tell my kid, remember that time I ran over you at the fair? <laughs> Just the visual of it in the cow barn is so... Honestly, I'll tell you the worst parenting move here. You took him to the state fair and put him in a cow barn. You know, that is a worse punishment than being run over by a stroller. <laughs> All right. Next up, she says... My son pees in the bath sometimes and I'm too lazy to drain it and refill the tub. So I just keep washing him in his pee pee water. It's just milk pee. So it's basically just a milk bath, right? Mm, Yes. And also it's preparing him for all the public swimming pools that he's going to be swimming in. Don't, don't tell me you don't pee in public pools. Like, don't tell me that you've never done it. I will not believe you. Everybody at one point or another has peed in a public pool. Just admit it. We all pick our nose and wipe it under our car seat, or at least we've done it once. Like, it's fine. We can just admit it. Oh my gosh. Can you guys hear that siren? I really hope not. Okay, moving along. She says, I was hanging out with two of my friends and their big dogs. There were three dogs. One of them was a Great Dane. I was the only one who had a kid and she came with us, obviously. She was about a year and a half at the time. We were hanging out in my friend's backyard and I got distracted talking to my friends. I literally took my eyes off my daughter for less than a minute. When I looked up to check on her, she was eating a ginormous poop from the Great Dane. Yes, eating. I died. I still am dead thinking about it. And and luckily she ended up being fine, but I may never recover. Oh my gosh. Honestly, like how, how, how did her natural instincts not kick in that like this smells bad, this tastes bad, but again, not your fault. Kids just don't have brains yet. You know what I mean? Okay. Now I got to move on from that one. That visual is not good for me mentally. (laughs) Okay. She says, my daughter struggles to sleep between the autism and the ADHD. Her melatonin levels are very low. Before we got her a cat, she'd get very bored in her room at night or very bored and roam at night. Sorry. One night around three or four in the morning, she came into my room and woke me up saying, mom, I can't get it out. Can't get what out? I replied. She just repeated, I can't get it out. So I turned on the light and gasped. Maddie, in my house, there is a window cut out of the wall between the living room and the kitchen. For some reason, my daughter thought it would be a great idea to climb into this window and stand up, surveying her nocturnal kingdom. In this window hung a flypaper, you know, the spiraling ribbon of sticky gunk you you hang to catch houseflies. Sorry, that was a hard sentence for me. And it was in her hair. I swept her into the bathroom and tried to pull it out but it was in there good. I had to use a half a bottle of baby oil to get it out of her hair, leaving behind not only clumps of glue, but tons of dehydrated dead fly bodies that would break apart as I tried to comb them. It was disgusting. After much shampooing and oiling, we finally got it all out, but my little girl's hair was greasy for weeks afterwards. Needless to say that that was the last straw before visiting the pediatrician. I now drug my daughter every night before bed, and I don't feel one iota of guilt for it. Okay. Okay. Before we dig into that, uh, yeah, you should not feel any guilt for drugging your kids to go to sleep. Like, 
why why do people feel bad about that? I'm going to load them up. I know if you take too much melatonin, it has the opposite effect, though. Uh, I do that every time I babysit. Every time I give the kids melatonin and the parents will be like, give it to them at nine. And I'm like, no, six thirty. Sounds good. <laughs> I remember one time I was babysitting my nephews and I was like, it's so weird. He just like fell asleep on the couch at like 6 p.m. And my brother and sister-in-law were like, he's literally never done that. I'm like, so weird. Little do they know I for sure spiked his drink with melatonin. I can't get over the crispy, dusty <laughs> fly carcasses in her hair. I cannot get over that. What is grosser? That or eating the dog shit? It's got to be the the dog. It's got to be. But which one would I rather be? Like, would I rather see my child doing the poop thing or have to be the one to take dead flies out of their hair? I'm not sure. But this is why I salute all moms. Speaking of saluting moms, I actually love this one. I think this one is a great parenting move. She said, I got a call from my daughter's teacher that she had made a boy in her kindergarten class feel bad by telling him he didn't have a uterus so he couldn't have a baby. (laughs) I mean, it's true. He doesn't have a uterus. You can't have a baby without one. Like, sorry that your daughter's more educated than the kids in her class. Sounds like you're a great parent. Okay, next. She says, can I submit my own parents' worst parenting moment? Honestly, so many of you guys just really took this opportunity to roast your own parents. (laughs) Uh, She goes on, they really are wonderful parents, but this was rough. I was a junior in high school and dating a boy my parents did not love. Sometimes we texted each other some spicy things, not pictures, but definitely PG-13, not parental approved content like sexy dreams, for example. And I thought it would be nice to write those things down in my journal to remember them. Literally, I cringe as I write this because how was this ever a good idea in my mind? Well, one day while I was in school, my mom found my diary in my room, which I hid, by the way, so she was definitely searching my room for it, and read everything. My parents checked me out of school to yell at me, told me they had read what I wrote about our text conversations and had gone to the T-Mobile store and had his number blocked and forbid me from ever seeing him again. It obviously didn't work because we're married now. (laughs) But it was very traumatizing. I have definitely done some therapy around it. And it has taken a long time for my husband to get over it. But despite everything, I think I turned out okay. And I still have a great relationship with my parents. And I can laugh while cringing about everything now. But hopefully this can make someone feel better that at least you probably haven't found and read your child's diary and acted like the whole world was going to end because they sent sexy texts. There's two things that I will never understand. One, parents who read their kids' journals or diary. I think it's like the most violating thing. It it takes away every shred of their independence. Like I feel like if you're going to be an involved parent, you're going to make a bunch of rules and all these things, at least give them a journal. At least give them one place where they can be completely open and honest. You know, like how traumatizing to find out that your parents read your journal. Second thing I will never understand, parents who think that they can just stop their kids from feeling like attracted to who they're attracted to when they're in junior high and their hormones are developing and they're just like horny little 15-year-olds running around thinking about touching each other. Like, I feel like that's going to happen. I just, I find it very weird when parents want to discourage those feelings altogether. It's like, I feel like teaching your kid to ignore them or that those feelings are bad or scary or shameful. Uh, that's the worst way you could go. Like, I get it. You you want them to be safe. You don't want them to get into serious relationships. The other thing is that kids are just going to find a way to talk to the person they like. They really are. I have heard so many creative ways that people have like gotten around 
their parents monitoring what they're saying. Like so many people have found how to get like burner phones or they send emails or they send emails anonymously or they have like a a Google Doc that they talk through. I think I really have seen that. Oh no, it was a spreadsheet. It was a spreadsheet. I don't know if that was, if we talked about that on the podcast, but somebody told me like that they or their kids or something had been talking to their significant other through a shared Google Doc spreadsheet. Honestly, pretty genius. All right, next she says, My daughter will not buckle in her car seat ever. It is like performing an exorcist to get her buckled in. So one time I let her stay unbuckled in the neighborhood and slammed on my brakes to show her what happens when you don't buckle in. She flew across the seat and slammed into the back of my seat, but now she will willingly buckle in. Oops. Innovative. I got to say it's innovative. Also, you know what they say, you got to let your kid fail sometimes. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Next up, she says, Uh, There was this one time that I saw my kid was chewing on something and I didn't think much of it. A half an hour later, he was still chewing. And when I looked in his mouth, he was chewing on a giant caterpillar. Lesson learned. I always check for suspicious chewing. Oh, kids are so gross. Kids are so gross. If the eating the dog poop and the dusty, crusty flies in the hair didn't delay my my desire for kids. Uh, this did. Oh, it gives me cold chills just thinking about it. Okay, next. When my baby was a week old, I was loading stuff into the trunk of our Jeep. I loaded him in his car seat into the trunk too and closed it. I drove down the road <laughs> and freaked out when I realized my baby was in the trunk. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're only a week into parenting. How are you supposed to remember that your kid goes in the backseat, you know? Okay, next. She says, I'm confessing to a few things here. When my brother was in high school, I'd buy alcohol for him and his friends. One day, my two-year-old got into said alcohol. Don't worry. She was fine. I called poison control. They said, just spike her blood sugar and it'll counteract the alcohol. So what did we learn here? If your kid accidentally sips your drink, just give them candy. (laughs) I included this one because it feels very useful. It it feels like somebody is going to need that trick, you know? All right. Moving right along. She says, oh man, I have more times than I care to admit, but one really bad one was a couple years ago. My son was two at the time and was playing in the kitchen. I was right around the corner at our dining table folding some laundry. It had been quiet for a little too long. Honestly, every story, every story of a kid doing something horrific should start this way. It was quiet for a little too long. (laughs) So I peeked around the corner to check on him. And within the two minutes I left him there, he had climbed up on the counter and was using a metal knife to spread butter into the plugged in toaster. To this day, I don't know how he didn't get electrocuted. How do kids have just a natural attraction to the most dangerous option in the room? How is that even possible? You could present a child with like every toy they could ever imagine, every treat, every game. If there's like a butter knife or a pair of scissors nearby, they will choose that. Why do they do that? Like, why can't they just lick the wall and not the socket? It feels like they naturally go to the worst possible option. Again, no brain. All right, next. She says, one time I was babysitting and dragging my little baby brother by his legs around the carpet and he was laughing. So I thought he was loving it. Then when I picked him up, I saw the back of his head was bleeding from a carpet burn. I felt so bad, but he was just chilling and so happy still. Poor guy. Do you guys want to hear the worst, the worst story ever? It came to mind when I read this one because of the the sliding on the carpet. So this happened to one of my older brothers. His name's Sean. 
shout out to Sean. Uh, this happened when he was a little kid, so obviously I wasn't there. But he was playing on one of those those slides, like you know the slides that people keep in their living room, the like little tykes, blue and yellow and red ones. Anyway, he was sliding down it onto the carpet, and he slid down, and he grabbed his leg, like when he hit the bottom, and he was grabbing it and he was saying that it hurt really bad. I don't know how old he was. He was like a toddler. Um, and my mom came and looked at it. There was nothing on his leg, like no scratch, no burn, no bump, no anything. And so she was like, I don't know, maybe like got shocked or something. So he got back up and he just kept playing. Then a few days later, my mom noticed that his leg was super swollen and it looked like something was going on. So they took him to the doctor and turns out that when my brother slid down the slide, there was a needle, like a sewing needle in the carpet. Oh my gosh. Worst thing I can ever possibly imagine. He had slid into the needle and it had gone entirely inside of his leg, like so deep in that my mom couldn't even, couldn't even see that anything had happened. Oh my gosh. It just, it makes me, it makes me queasy. So many of these stories, I did not expect so many of these stories to just really, really hit my gag reflex. Moving along. Next, uh, mom of the year moment. She said, hi, BFF. Feels good to get this off my chest in a non-judgmental platform. Please don't judge me for traumatizing my child. Never. I would never judge you for that. Isn't it interesting that everybody's traumatizing their child in one way or another? Like, no matter what? You can't go down that rabbit hole or you will never come out. All right. She goes on. So last year we moved into a new house and got my three-year-old daughter a new big girl bed. She was seriously terrified every night. She would cry for hours and try to sneak out of her room constantly. We tried everything, new nightlight, leaving her door open, me staying with her until she fell asleep, etc. I was pregnant and getting really sick of sleeping on the hardwood floor in her hallway in efforts of catching her escape and sending her back to bed. Well, we have one of those video baby monitors that has an intercom thing on it so you can talk to your child in their bedroom. So every time my daughter would try to leave, I would speak to her on the monitor and say, go back to your bed. She would cry and cry and cry. Nothing was working. One day as we were playing, my daughter fearfully pointed at the video monitor camera and said, there's monsters in there, mommy. I was a bit freaked out, so I asked her more questions to get to the bottom of her fears. And I found out through all those sleepless nights, she didn't realize that it was me talking to her through the monitor. I was the monster. I tried out the monitor's intercom and my voice truly did sound terrifying. Every time I would try to tell her to go to bed, she would be even more scared. Can you imagine feeling trapped in your new bedroom by some unseen monster and not being able to get help? So sad. I still feel awful about it. Not to mention she brings it up still a whole a whole year later. My poor girl, I will be paying for her therapy because of this. I am the monitor monster. <laughs> Just like a horror movie for that kid. Like every time she moves, she just hears a voice that's like, oh, the kid. That would be understandably terrifying. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Visible. Single people are always spending money on their married friends. And you know, when I was single, this really bothered me because I always wanted to say, aren't you guys the ones with two incomes? Don't you guys like own a house? Why am I, the college student, buying you things to furnish your house? Seems like this should 
be the other way around. You know what I mean? You got to buy wedding gifts, bachelorette party gifts. You got to go to baby showers and then you got to go to kids' birthday parties. There's a lot of gifts to be purchased. That's why Visible, the wireless service built for singles, has teamed up with Match Group, the people behind Tinder, Match, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, and a bunch of other dating apps to create a gift registry just for singles. So now, married people can buy the gifts for singles for a change. The gifts are tailored specifically for single life, like a foldable one-person kayak, a wine glass that fits an entire bottle, you know, things that you can do on your own. Also, the first thousand people to build their registry get a free gift. So don't miss out because the Visible Singles Registry finishes April 25th, 2022. Visible has single people covered with sweet singles gifts and with single line wireless as low as $25 a month. So go build your registry at visiblesinglesregistry.com. One more time for the people in the back, that is visiblesinglesregistry.com. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. When I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling anxious, sometimes when I'm feeling depressed, the physical symptoms come on real strong. I get the knots in my tummy. I get headaches. I get sweaty. I get acne. All of it. That's how I know that I'm a little bit too stressed out. Also, let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, under eating and overeating. All of those can be signs that you're just maybe needing a little bit of self-care. Stress shows up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling you to do more, sleep less and grind all the time, here's your reminder to take care of yourself, do less and maybe try some therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, so you should just give it a give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Bad Broadcast listeners get 10% off of their first month at betterhelp.com slash bad. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash bad. Hey, it's Patrick Starr. I'm coming straight to you with my very own podcast, Say Yes to the Guest. I'll be hanging out with some of my fiercest friends and spilling some serious tea on business, beauty, and being a boss-ass bitch. With me, baby, you'll never know what will happen. Find Yes to the Guest on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are played. Start streaming and downloading now. And don't forget to subscribe because every Monday we're going in. We got so much to chat about. So turn it up and say yes to the guest. Yes. All right, let's go on. She says, there's a lot of things you don't realize that you need to teach a person. This was one of them. So we just moved into a new neighborhood and my two girls, ages five and three, made friends with the kids across the street. They'd been over a few times to their house. One time they went over it on their own and it was only across the street. So I thought a little independence would be okay. 
Normally I watch them, but I was in the middle of something and they just went on their own. It'd been about 45 minutes and I texted the mom of the neighbor kids asking how things were going. I didn't really know her that well and she didn't text me back. I waited like 10 more minutes until I went over to the house. I see the mom is home very flustered. She tells me that they just got home from running errands and she found my girls alone eating their snacks and watching TV. I was so embarrassed. I asked my girls what happened and they said they just walked in the door and saw some fun toys. I was so mortified. But my kids do have good taste because they ate all of the fancy chocolates. See, raising them right, parenting fail, flip that around. It's actually a win. But I imagine this is probably embarrassing because what if the other mom thinks that you sent them on purpose? What if she thinks that you were like, hey, uh, you don't have anything to do. Why don't you go over and hang out with those kids? And if they're not home, just sit on their couch and eat all of their snacks. (laughs) All right. Next, she says, I'm just full of bad parenting moments. The ones that come immediately are as follows. I wanted to get work done and my three-year-old really wanted to use my rotary cutter. I just wanted her to leave me alone. So like an idiot, I allowed her. She sliced a chunk of her finger off almost immediately. I felt horrible. Another time I was trying to get rid of toys and I sold a rocking horse that my girls never used. But as soon as someone came to get it, the younger one lost it and started sobbing, but I didn't stop the sale. (laughs) I'm still convinced she is traumatized for life. Last story, I was once trying to get work done and I didn't realize my son had found some super glue. He bit into it and it exploded in his mouth. Thankfully, I heard him gagging and immediately stuck my hand down his throat and pulled out the solidified glue out of his throat. I still can't think about it or it makes me sweat thinking about what could have happened had I not heard him gagging behind me. I mean, we certainly did not spend enough time with the rotary cutter. I think that's what you use to like cut fabric, right? I mean, I've seen one at Joanne's when I get fabric like that two times in my life that I've needed fabric. Um, Yeah, that'll take a that'll take a three year old's finger off real easily, real easily. And the super glue again, why do kids come pre-programmed to go towards the most dangerous option in any scenario? Okay, next one. She says, I left my two-year-old happily playing in the living room when I went to clean the bathroom. I was almost done scrubbing the toilet when I heard my two-year-old go, "Mm -mm -mm," like he had just eaten something delicious. I turn around and he is right behind me holding the little cup that holds the toilet scrubber and had drank whatever liquid was in the bottom. I called poison control (laughs) and the lady laughed at me and told me to feed him yogurt for probiotics and that he'd be fine. New mom at the time, I cried. Now a mom of three, I laugh when I tell this story. I, I, I can't have kids. I can't have children. You guys, you guys are stronger. You're stronger than me. I, I can't do it. Okay. Let me give you one. That's not so, not so nauseating. She says, I now have two children, but I think my worst parenting moment was when we only had a cat. (laughs) One time I was grabbing something out of the fridge while we watched a movie. I sat on the couch with my husband and when the movie was almost over, we wondered where the cat was. We would call her name and we could hear her meow, but she wasn't coming to us, which was odd because she's very cuddly and comes when called. The movie ended and we started looking everywhere, but we couldn't find her. And then I thought, what the heck? Try the fridge. And holy shit, she was in the fridge. (laughs) I've never felt worse in my life than I did at that moment. She must have jumped in and I didn't notice until I had shut the fridge door. Needless to say, she never jumped back in the fridge. I mean, I am sorry that my only experience in parenting is with cats, but uh, one time Tofu jumped directly into a flaming candle and had wax all over his lower half for like three weeks. Didn't know how to get it out. Didn't know. Really hoping my future children do not also jump into open flames. All right, next one. 
She says, I have a fun time, sexy drawer full of fun, adult, sexy things. My toddler got in and chugged half a bottle of lube while I was in the bathroom trying to scrub peanut butter out of a shirt. I had to call poison control and explain that my one and a half year old drank lube and explain exactly what kind and how much. And I wanted to die of embarrassment. Plus, I was worried sick about my baby being poisoned by my sex drawer. She was fine, by the way. And if anything, it helped her fix the constipation. So it ended up being a win. Does that help constipation? Is is that what that is? I mean, it makes sense because it's like, you know, lubricating every everything down there. Also, something that was a very common submission this time around, kids walking in on or spying on or somehow seeing you and your spouse participating in adult activities. Uh, if your kids have done that and you think you're a terrible parent because of it, just know you are absolutely not the only person to do that. <laughs> okay. Next, uh, she says, I'm not a parent. And this story is one of the reasons I never should be. I babysat a small child when I was like a senior in high school and I let him play on our treadmill. Some of you are already wincing as you should be, but it gets worse. This treadmill has three fatal flaws. It was stuck on a full speed sprint and had been for nearly 20 years. It had no emergency shut off and it was set up against a wall. So if you fell off, you would be slammed into the wall at warp speed and then stuck in the crevice as the belt sanded you down. As you can imagine, when the parents came to pick up their child, he had considerably less skin than when they dropped him off. And I was never contacted about babysitting ever again. You know what? That might make sense for you to never, ever be called again for babysitting. All right. Here's another bad, bad aunt moment, not mom moment. She says, I was an aunt in this situation, but I still feel like it counts. I was 13 years old and went to Disneyland with my older sisters and older sister and her family. She and her husband left me with a four-month-old and a three-year-old while they took their bigger kids on a different ride. While waiting, I decided to get on the Dumbo ride. However, when I got up to the ride, they told me that the four-month-old was too little. So I either had to let the three-year-old go solo or not go. A lady in line told me she'd watch the baby so we could go. Without thinking, I handed the baby over to a stranger and got on the ride. While flying through the air with the three-year-old, I hear my name being yelled and my sister was wanting to know where her baby was. I pointed to the stranger who luckily didn't run off with the baby. Needless to say, my sister wasn't thrilled that I left a baby with a stranger. But in my defense, is Disneyland the place the baby snatchers go? Okay, I gotta say, I think it is the place the baby snatchers go. I feel like people who are really into stealing children, not to make anybody paranoid, but I do feel like they would be at Disneyland. Also, I feel like this is a good addition to Disneyland that they should they should bring in. I have said this before that they should have people who hold babies for you. Like when you get to the front of the line, there's just an attendant who holds your baby for 45 seconds while you go on the ride and then you get the baby back after. It's kind of like stroller swap, but baby swap. Like that doesn't sound that hard either to just be the person who holds the baby. Anybody can hold a baby for a minute. You know, as I'm telling you guys this story, it's striking me that this is actually probably not a very good idea. It's an idea that I have shared many times at many dinner parties, family get-togethers. I always say this is a good invention. I've never been validated. I've never had anybody agree with me that this is a good idea. So I'm just hoping one of you out there agrees with me. Okay, let's go on to the next one. 
She says, this is long, but worth it. We needed a new couch. So we went to the furniture store to look around. We includes me, my husband, my four-year-old old daughter, and our two-year-old son. I promise this is important. We had not been in the store for even two minutes when my four-year-old said, mom, I'm going to barf. So with no time to think, I stick my hands out in front of her face to catch her vomit. Well, she keeps throwing up and my hands are so full. So my husband says, here, switch me. And instead of moving out of the way like a normal person, my brain was fried at this point because my hands are full of kid puke. I proceed to dump the vomit from my hands into his hands. He was like, what are you doing? And I didn't even know how to respond. So I run to the bathroom to wash off my hands really fast. And when I run back, my husband is heading towards me with my daughter. I yell to ask him where our son is and he yells back that he thought he was with me. And he was very much not with me. So now we're running around this giant furniture store with 1 million places to hide looking for our two-year-old son. While my hands still reek of puke, my daughter has puke all down the front of her and my husband has puke in his hands and is carrying a trash can full of puke. I'm sorry for saying the word puke so many times. After a grueling five minutes, (laughs) our son finally pops up out of nowhere crying because he couldn't find us. We quickly washed off my husband's hands and my daughter's hoodie and got out of there. We were probably in the store less than 10 minutes. We never even made it back to the couch section and now we can never go back. I'm sure those workers still talk about us as the actual worst parents in history. Trust me, if they work at a furniture store, they have seen darker days than just watching you get barfed on. It was actually probably a highlight for them. I feel like when you're working a really like mundane job, when something wild happens in front of you, it's just nothing is better. I remember when I would work like customer service jobs and I'd get yelled at. I remember I was like, at least something exciting is going on here, you know? All right, next up. Should this be my last one? I really wanted to talk to you guys about Pam and Tommy. Okay, hold on. Let me, let's read this and see where we're at. My husband left her work and didn't wake me up. I was very pregnant and not sleeping well. And our three-year-old was right outside our bedroom door watching a show and is a very good rule follower. However, we had just moved into my in-law's basement before buying our house. So it was new territory. In the few minutes that I was asleep, my child decided he wanted to go see dad where he thought he would be on the neighboring golf course we had played on and had ridden the golf cart on the previous week. He let himself out of the house without shoes, walked up the gravel road, past a small beach, passed a pond, and strutted right into the clubhouse to try and find him. They were having a golf tournament that day, so there were lots of confused staff, and luckily my kid speaks well. They drove him in a cart <laughs> back down the street, and I woke up to the sound of it outside the window, the most terrifying minute of my life when I couldn't find him downstairs. They said they figured he was it was the right house because the door was wide open and he didn't have any shoes on. Husband got a phone call of me sobbing and we put in safety doorknobs on the basement. So glad he didn't go into the woods, lake, pond, or busy road. Feels terrible. Zero out of 10. Do not recommend. Didn't tell anyone for a while and it's only a little funny now that he's seven. Honestly, I feel like we should microchip kids. <laughs> like Maybe that's like not a good, not a good thing to say, especially with like the conspiracy people, conspiracy theories that people believe right now. But honestly, like the spy kids tracker in their tooth, like, is that not the best idea ever? It would probably save so much time in every single person. Just hear me out. I'm not saying that we should track every single person on earth. What I am saying is that it would solve a lot of problems. It would cause a lot of problems. It would. But think about like, having an alibi, if you didn't commit a crime, if you were being wrongfully accused of a crime and they were like, oh no, we have your exact location. You would never have to worry about proving where you were. And like little kids running away, going up the street, check your phone, you know exactly where they are. I am just saying it's not the worst idea 
I've ever heard of. All right, let's let's do a couple more. Okay, fine. Uh, she says, I didn't do this, but my mom did it to me. I was homesick from school one day with the flu. My mom had my sister stay home to help take care of me. My mom wanted to go to Starbucks, so she loaded us into the car and then realized that the car battery was dead. When jumping the car, she accidentally mixed up the cables and a fire started and spread between the two cars. I was holding my baby blanket and grabbing water bottles from the car to pour on the fire. My sister ran in to get the hose and my mom panicked and grabbed my baby blanket from me and started smacking the fire with it. I watched in horror as my baby blanket burned to a crisp. Luckily, we got the fire out and everything was relatively okay. My mom was able to salvage a tiny square of my blanket. When we did finally make it to Starbucks, I threw up in the parking lot. Talk about a rough day for my mom. Love that your mom still went to Starbucks. <laughs> She's like, listen, I know I just almost burned the entire house down, lit two cars on fire, singed your baby blanket and you're not feeling good. Uh, but I really got to go to Starbucks. I respect that. I do respect that in a woman. All right, let's do this last one. And then I do, I want to talk to you guys about Pam and Tommy. I, I, I have to talk about it. Okay. All right. She says, I am not yet a parent, but this story is about my parents. My mom and dad owned a haunted house a few years back. My dad was there every night working on the construction and putting everything together. My mom wasn't able to watch my brother that night. He was three years old at the time. So he was tagging along with my dad for the evening. My dad was done for the night. So he was preparing to leave the building. He turned off all the lights, locked the doors and left on his way home. He thought he'd better stop and pick up some McDonald's for my brother. He got up to the spot to order and he said, I'll get a kid's meal with chicken nuggets. And then with much panic, realized that my brother wasn't in the car. He had left him back at the warehouse. He sped as fast as he could back to the building. And there he found my brother sitting on the floor in the middle of a haunted house, silent in pitch black. The best part is my dad didn't tell my mom for years because he was so sure that she would divorce him if she knew. I feel like a lot of us have been left places. You know, we've all been left at the grocery store, been left at school. Uh, have you ever been left in a haunted house as a child? I mean, if you have, I've got a discount code for better help that you might need to put to use. Okay. Those are all the bad parenting stories that we have, but now I really, really want to take a sharp left turn and talk about Pam and Tommy because we binged the whole thing in I think two days was how long it took us to finish it. Uh, if you don't know, Pam and Tommy is the limited series on Hulu with Sebastian Stan and Lily. I always forget which Lily it is. It's Lily James. I always want to say Lily Collins, but it's Lily James. They play Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee. And it's all about like how they met, how they got married, and then the release of their sex tape. I did not realize how pivotal of a time this was in pop culture. Like it changed everything. It changed the way we view celebrities. The internet changed the way things went viral. And I personally, I personally loved Pam and Tommy. I'm giving you guys my recommendation and I've been bursting at the seams to talk about it because I think Sebastian Stan and Lily James were both mm, perfection. I thought they were both perfection. And I feel like the story of Pamela Anderson is one, um, it's actually tragic. It's it's tragic just like we've talked about with Amanda Bynes and Britney Spears and all of these women who just got eaten alive by the media and who were actually really really good people and they were just, you know, making money. They were playing this character. Like I feel this way about Paris Hilton and she's said it before that she kind of plays this Paris Hilton character and she's not really like that. I think that Pamela Anderson is that way and I think that we've never really given her a chance because 
she's Pamela Anderson and she's, you know, just like boobs and Baywatch and all of that. But I think that she's a really smart, empathetic person. And I hope we hear more from her. I know that she has publicly said that she did not approve anything in Pam and Tommy. She doesn't want to watch it. Uh, Neither her nor Tommy Lee had anything to do with the making of it. So who knows how much of it is true. I mean, I was like Googling the whole time we were watching, like, did this really happen? Did this really happen? Most of it really happened. They messed with the timelines a little bit. Uh, Like there's a scene where Pamela Anderson miscarries and there is that did happen, but it didn't happen where the show says it happens. Um, it was just really, it was really good. There are a lot of penises in it and titties, <laughs> in case you're not into that. Uh, there is a lot of them. Seth Rogen is also in it who, I mean, it's not even a unique crush to have anymore. You know, and people are like, oh my gosh, I have this weird crush on Seth Rogen. It's like, it's not that weird. He's just kind of objectively sexy. Uh, and he has a mullet in this. And I found myself very attracted to Seth Rogen in a mullet. Um, and also Nick Offerman is in it, who is Ron Swanson, of course. He's really good. But yeah, I I loved it. I'm curious to see what you guys think of it. I feel like most people are going to not like it because of how much nudity there is in it. But um, yeah, the story is really interesting. The like dynamic between Pam and Tommy is really interesting. You just kind of feel like they're little kids, you know, who got thrown into Hollywood and like didn't really know how to handle their fame or their money, but they were these good people underneath these like public personas. I don't know. I just, it made me love the real Pam and Tommy, which is weird because I really kind of hated Tommy Lee before this. He's married to Brittany Furlan, 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 who was a Vine star back in the day. If you Google her and you were on Vine, you'll absolutely recognize her. Um, And I just have never really liked him, but Pam and Tommy did make me like both of them, a lot more. And I believe that Pam Anderson has a Netflix special uh, that will be coming out. That's at least on our Instagram. There's a little Netflix logo and a note from her that says like telling my side of the story or something. So overall, really liked it. Very curious to hear what you guys think about it. And with that said, I think that's all I've got for you today. I think I've told you absolutely everything that was inside my brain today. Oh, I actually forgot one, guys. I had a Dum Dum Club moment this week. I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. Oh my gosh. Okay, really quick. Let me finish this up. I just barely learned what estranged meant. I thought estranged meant that you do not speak to them, like that you do not have any contact with them. Like I thought when somebody says they're estranged wife, I thought that meant they have no contact. They haven't spoken in years. Like I thought it meant zero, zero relation to them. I didn't know that it just meant not as close as you used to be. And you might be thinking, well, they're kind of similar. So why does it matter? Because it's very confusing when people say he's seeing his estranged wife or he ran into his estranged girlfriend or something like that. I was like, why are they running into each other? They're always interacting. Doesn't estranged mean that they no longer speak to each other? All right. That was really the final thing left in my brain. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Remember to, of course, subscribe, rate, review. Appreciate that always. It helps the podcast grow. It helps us get on charts. It helps other people find it. It is so helpful. And then, of course, the number one most helpful thing is uh, posting the social media. Do a little, a little screenshot. Post it on your story. I'll repost it. I'll send you a love note. I'll send you a nude if you're lucky. Uh, just kidding, mom. Just kidding. But thank you guys so much for being here. I love you so much. Remember to always be safe, be kind, be hot. And I will see you next Monday back here at the Bad Broadcast. Bye. 
Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.